You're listening to Legends Cast, a proud member of the Camp Legend Podcasting Network. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash camplegend. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast Season 3, The Starter Set. I am one of your hosts, Mark, from outside of Pittsburgh, PA. And with me today, I have my legendary and ever-fateful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd, and also my catastrophically creative co-host, Gibbles and Bits. Gibbles and Bits and DBN. Guys, we'll start with we'll start with uh DBN today. How you guys doing? Oh, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I just uh, played a bunch of uh, Marvel Champions with my dad. Uh, we uh, we finished up the Rise of the Red Skull campaign and started on uh, Galaxy's Most Wanted. So very fun there. I think I have a new favorite character. I love playing the Groot deck. Really fun. Really cool. Groot, um, really defensive. Really defensive yeah, characters. Super yeah, yeah, fun yeah. to play with. Fun to farm up those those uh, like branching growth tokens or whatever they're called. Because uh, uh, you can do some really cool stuff with that, so I, I definitely enjoyed that. That's been uh, that's been what I've played recently, but uh, yeah, doing good. Nice, Gibby. How about you, man? How you doing? Hello, welcome, happy New Year. We are recording this officially in 2023. 2023. It's Woo. fantastic to be here. I hope everyone had a great Happy Holidays and our listener base, and also both of you as well. Uh, it's been good finally uh, back home and relaxing after uh, some arduous and long travel. No, uh, no Southwest flights for me though, thankfully. So I wasn't stuck in the airports for hours on in days on end. But um, played some fun, some a new board game that I had board slash card game. I'll say that I would have been really excited about uh, trying with with my wife. It's meant to be a two player game, so I specifically asked for it for Christmas from from some family. It's called Fox in the Forest great really good yes it's really good so i got to try it today for the first time uh with with Mackenzie, and uh it's really good i mean she's she's a a strategist and she's very competitive when it comes to uh those kind of games um but we've been looking for some games that are really good and dedicated for two players and that i i read ahead of time was was one of the best you know they make another version of that game called Fox Fox in the Forest Duet mm-hmm. and it is the same game except you work together and it is a co-op so you win or lose together versus competing with one another because I played this with my wife I grew up playing trick taking games every weekend at my grandparents house so when we play I just I can memorize the cards a lot faster and I usually win in Fox in the forest, like three games in. She's like, I'll never beat you at this game. We're not playing this. Um, (laughs) But she likes Fox in the forest duet because of the co-op nature of it, where we kind of win or lose together and we have to work together as a team. We really enjoyed playing that together. It's a lot of fun. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Maybe I'll have to go pick up the duet version. Yeah, is, if Mackenzie starts kicking your game. tail in it too hard, just go buy the duet version. So that's, that, that's uh, my way out. That's my answer. Yeah. <laughs> so that you guys can work together on it, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, I don't. My wife played uh, Ticket to Ride Europe for the very first time the uh, two nights ago, and just yeah, beat all of us. So uh, <laughs> I'm I'm feeling good because I rang in the new year. I know about you guys. Feel free to chime in on how you guys decided to end the end of the 2022. But I rang in the new year with a close uh, family friend of mine who was in town. She's a flight attendant and she had a, um, a wedding she had to go to on new year's Eve. There was someone who got married and scheduled a wedding on new year's Eve, which is really interesting to me, but it was in Memphis. Mm -hmm. So she came and stayed with me. And then we also got together with a couple other friends, but we rang our new year in by being in a board game bar playing games up until midnight. And the last game we we said, whoever wins the last game, that we complete within 2022 is is the king or queen of board games for 2022, and we played Ticket to Ride, and I smashed. Yeah, nice. It was uh, so I'm uh, I went out I, on top with a gold medal around my neck. I can honestly say, I can honestly say this: when it comes to Ticket to Ride, I am I have only lost a single game of Ticket to Ride ever, of like over a dozen times I've played it. And it was surprisingly, uh, no, it wasn't to you, Gibby. When you and I played, I won that round. Yeah, and then you won because I didn't play the next round. Because it was like was five or six of us. I think so. There was I like might, five or six of us. And like I played one, I won that game, and then there wasn't enough for everybody to play, so I sat out because I won, and then you won the next game. 
But I've only lost uh, one time, and the one person I've lost to was the very first time I played it, and that was actually, and I, I didn't even remember this until recently, I played it one time with my family, and the person who plays the least amount of games in my time family, aka my mother, won. <laughs> and then I went like five years of having never played and completely forgotten about the game until I started playing it again. And, uh, and I have a sterling record, but with a big old asterisk, thanks to, uh, mama Garner, uh, whooped me <laughs> uh, way mom. back when it did break mom. Yeah. Well, listen, <laughs> alarmingly enough, my new year's Eve is strikingly similar to Gibby's. And I had no idea, um, because, not only did I bring in New Year's Day playing Ticket to Ride with my brother and sister-in-law, but earlier that night, I was at a wedding for my wife's cousin who planned their wedding on New Year's Eve this year. Wow. So wow. I was, at a, I was at a wedding on New Year's Eve, and then we got a call from my mom saying my daughter was sick, which is not abnormal in my household because my kids are sick every other week. So we actually had to leave oh, the wedding no. early, get my, get my daughter. We ran back to my house, put them to bed. We texted my brother and sister-in-law who were just down the road from us, and we're like, hey, we got nothing to do now. We were going to a party. We're not going to a party anymore. My mom had our kids and his kids. So my brother and sister-in-law just shot over to our house and he brought Ticket to Ride Europe with him. And we literally played Ticket to Ride Europe until within like two minutes of the new year coming in. Uh, and and so, Gibby, your, your New Year's was a combination of a friend at a wedding and Ticket to Ride. And mine was at a wedding and Ticket to Ride. So I, I, I don't know how that happens. We did not plan this, guys. Nor we did, did not we talk plan. about it up until now. So no, we had no idea. It's eerily so weird. similar. Fates have had it. And what's super funny to me is one of my good friends we play board games with all the time. We played with earlier this week, and we played uh, Draftosaurus and Here to Slay with him. And they were also at a wedding on New Year's Eve because we usually hang out with them on New Year's Eve, and they could not hang out with us because they also that's three New Year's Eve weddings. Right apparently here, it's a new I, thing. Apparently, it's a trend. I hate it. I hate the. I hate the trend. The trend's the worst. Just for the record, <laughs> I th- I think it's a dumb trend. I agree. I don't yeah. know why you'd have a wedding on New Year's on New Year's Eve. Okay, how about when's the time that a whole bunch of people have plans and don't want to feel obligated to go someplace? Let's Man. do our wedding then. And uh, next question wants you guys, guys make me feel bad. Easter. I literally had no plans on New Year's Eve. I literally <laughs> sat in my apartment and played Destiny Two the whole night. <laughs> you had a great time. You had a great time. I had sick kids, so oh, it, it was it was great. And I did play board games with my family on New Year's Day. We, you know, nice. we're, we've always been a New Year's Day and not a New Year's Eve family like new year's eve it's like it's we've always been like it's overrated you know uh we're you know we're homebodies for the most part like i can get up to go to to something but like i uh, you know i don't like big crowds loud parties like this is not my my vibe uh so like i've never been a new year's eve person and the few times i've had i've always regretted it the next morning which further instills uh (laughs) that mentality (laughs) so i did get to i I rang in the new year but like you know eight hours later and play board games on a full night's rest on a full night's rest so i was really mentally alert just tons of of uh, strategic acuity when fighting uh the red skull (laughs) so yeah yeah well hey man i will say this about uh marvel champions before we get into our secondary conversation on a marvel snap and that is Marvel Champions is a fantastic freaking game. Yes. And Red Skull's great. Uh, the one you're coming into is great. I've never beaten the last boss. Really? You haven't beaten coming into. Oh, on expert mode or just on standard mode? Just on standard mode wow. in the campaign. I have done every campaign except the X-Men one. And I've not beaten the last boss on the galaxy's most. So one. you haven't I beaten think, Ronan? No, I think he's arguably the hardest villain that they have ever put out. We, in my opinion. we had a really hard time with Arnim Zola actually, but, uh, but eventually got him. But then we found out we were playing something wrong and making it way harder than it. The rules are intended to do, which is giving boost cards to minions instead of Ooh. we were giving we, this whole time we've been giving, I, we played through the whole campaign. We played through the base set. We played through the green goblin expansion, always doing giving minions boosts as well. <laughs> and we realized that like after we beat the red skull and we start galaxies most wanted and we're like, ah, uh, now there's an effect on minions that allowed them to do this thing. We've always been doing whoops. <laughs> Better read the rules uh, next time. <laughs> I would make red skull in particular, a really difficult villain to be honest with. It you. was, t- we um, did beat it first yeah. try. 
Arnim Zola took us like eight tries. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, listen, guys, uh, we are a we Marvel Champions here. podcast here. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> if, if, if all that we have to do is give Gibby the like some of the Marvel Champions up, and we could easily become one because it is such a freaking good it's game. It's so good. Gibby would love it. But, but here at Legends, guys, what we're doing in 2023 is we're doing season three in 2023, which is starter set. And in that, we are talking about a different Ten minutes into the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, right. Digital card game. Back on track. Month. Yeah, back on track. Digital, digital card game every month. And we're breaking those into four basically different episodes, four different segments. First one is first impressions. Second one is building a collection of cards. Our third conversation is around the meta. And our fourth conversation is giving some final thoughts, maybe having on a guest if we're lucky. And so we talked uh, last week, we released an episode about our first experiences in a very, very popular card game right now called Marvel Snap. One that me, TBN, and Gibby are all three really thoroughly enjoying and playing a lot of but we're all three new to it because everyone is new to it. it's only been out for a couple of months um and so we're going to continue a conversation about that but before we dive into that i know all three of us have been have been snapping we've been snapping some oh what is snap. uh what 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 are you most excited about in snap right now maybe it's a card that you recently animated you're playing yeah it might just be that <laughs> just the voiceover like, can you imagine if we were dedicated exclusively to Marvel Snap? Like oh, we could do so now, much with that. How many voice lines or transitions that we mm-hmm. could use? Oh, we could have <laughs> so many. Oh, yeah, it would be 3D. Would be awesome. 3D. <laughs> <laughs> um, infinity. Infinity. Uh, <laughs> start stealing card uh, card voice lines. Frame break. But, That's my favorite one. Frame break. <laughs> But uh, Gibby, tell us what have you been uh, what have you been enjoying in Snap recently? Um, I mean, so I've been enjoying quite a bit. Um, I mean, I finally have gotten um, some Silver Surfer stuff. So I don't know. I've still I haven't really broken into a whole lot of new variant types of like decks of what I had previously been playing. Um, but I had been trying to make Ultron work for quite some time. I picked up Ultron recently. Um, which is, I mean, he, he is a top end card and without getting too deep into the weeds is, is one that you really have to structure a deck around to make sure you've got space for the, for the bots. And, um, the one card that still eludes me that I'm waiting on is Patriot Patriot. Oh, I have not found, and I want Patriot so bad, but, um, just been playing Patriot, a lot of Patriot, also known as 10 free rank levels, the card. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, Patriot. Patriot is broken, but it was even back when I was in pool one, I, I without really truthfully knowing that even Patriot existed and like that the card did exactly what it did. I was like, what if I could just build a deck? I had a deck called Stat Stick that I be- build that was literally just what if I just play a bunch of cards that don't have effects that are just overstatted and I just overwhelm my opponent with let's not get tricky about it. It'll be rather consistent because the values are what they are on these cards. Let's just put like a bomb, a bomb in there. Let's put Hulk. Let's build a deck full of a bunch of cards with no, no extra effects that are just really big. And then someone's like, oh yeah, you mean a Patriot deck. And I was like, what, what do you mean a Patriot deck? What, what's a Patriot? And they're like, use a diesel love, use a pool three card. And I looked it up and I was like, oh, not that creative, I guess. <laughs> I was like, but but I now I want that card, and I've been waiting to play it. So well, there's um, so many ways to play it now too. Silver Surfer yeah. like opened up a whole new variant, which is really neat. So you got one drops, three drops. You know, you could play a stat stick build. Yeah. When I've got, I bought the pass for the Silver Surfer. So like, mm, I'm nice. just like I have that. I have. Do you have pass. Brood? No, I don't have Brood well, that's either. The big that's the one, other yeah. one that I want. Because I mean, Brood's also really good in a Cerebro build that i've been trying yeah. to, to build so Cerebro, so fun. i've got like all of that all of the deck for that I, I could build around brood with the exception of brood so just brood and patriot those are the those are the two things i want have you built a cerebro deck yet yes i have like four of them oh okay on like yeah. all bunch of different numbers yeah the three drop version is my favorite but yeah the, i mean i'm sure the two drop version or a two power version with uh brood is pretty good too my favorite version is actually five Really? Okay. Well, yes, we'll, have, we'll talk. You and I will talk. We'll talk after we'll talk. this. Yeah, have, we wasted have, enough time. <laughs> but I have, I have a five. five I, I, don't, I haven't seen a five power one yet, so I'd love to see it. 
it's tricky. okay it's fun well, dvn do, do us a favor tell us what have you been enjoying in snap recently uh i've built a deck that i ripped from um binks underscore plays uh who is a i my favorite current snap like youtuber and streamer uh and then i modified it by a couple cards which i guess now makes it my own deck considering it's a 12 card deck uh you replace, replace 60 you you, you you replace two cards and seriously like you legitimately it's a different deck uh but the basic premise uh is a it's a thanos deck using my uh favorite two cards uh lockjaw and jubilee uh i'm mm. literally looking for any opportunity to make a lockjaw deck uh and uh and thanos i as soon as i saw it pop up in the shop i immediately blew every single collector's token that they gave me <laughs> when they gave everyone the collector's tokens like in one fell swoop i blew all of it for thanos i haven't bought anything else from the collector shop because i spent all of it uh and i don't regret it thanos is one of my favorite cards in this entire game and it's uh it's very fun with lockjaw jubilee and you can almost like you can really reliably get all six gems without clogging your board too much because you can once you've played it if you play it to a lockjaw lane it filters away you can blow it up with uh killmonger you know you can blow up your own stuff to create space to then fill with big boys and and all sorts of fun stuff so really it's really fun and it's pretty good and uh i find myself struggling to to enjoy anything else as much as this weirdly like i'm just obsessed with this deck <laughs> that's really cool uh i i mean i uh i i've wanted to kind of check out the uh the thanos deck that you made not having thanos it doesn't help me at yeah all no probably I not <laughs> actually check it out with but uh i've come up against some thanos decks and i've noticed many of them being less than great uh mm -hmm. and so i'm really curious to see how yours works because and i'm all, i also have not been like the biggest jubilee lockjaw lover uh that hasn't been like my favorite variant of decks to play but i'm, I'm interested to see it um yeah what i've been playing it's a little bit of controlled it's a little bit of controlled rng like you know sure. you have the rng but I, the big thing is like not you have to sit there and you can't like it's a upside thing you can't rely on it to win you the game is the is the tough thing to figure out that over time i was like it's not a combo it, it in and of itself you've built it to hopefully high roll but you still need to be able to play and win with the deck as if you don't like in the situations where you don't draw it. And that's what I like about this build is that like it can it can still do that, I feel. It's kind of hard yeah. to pilot, but it's just so many options, which I also love. But uh well, yeah. I not too not too long ago cracked Cerebro and Brood. And so, oh, so I am excited about cracking the two of those because I do want to play with those. I got a couple of the winter variants in the game. Pretty pumped about that, including Patriot and uh, Rogue. Um, so I, I do kind of want to engage and try that. The deck that I've been playing pretty much nonstop since I got it was Hazmat uh, Luke Cage. Um, and then I've been playing a lot of variants of Wong because I really enjoy sort of like the Exodia combo nature of Wong um, with Invisible Woman and Ironheart or you know, I was playing uh, a Mr. Negative and then Jane Foster Thor deck to like get a bunch of zero cost drawn into my hand. Was really enjoying that. Um, basically, any deck that gets absolutely destroyed by Cosmo and Leech, I've been playing, which means I lose more often than I win because every deck either runs yeah. Cosmo or Leech. Uh, it's actually really hard to win right now with any any Wong deck uh, simply because he's easy so to counter. Yeah. Well, there's there's four silver bullets for him, right? You can you can enchantress him, you can cosmo him, and you can rogue him, and all three of those things just counter. And he's telegraphed, like he's you know that's the problem. Is like if you're playing the combo from hand, then you're you you know you can avoid those things unless they luckily pre like pre correctly predict which lane you're playing it to. So certain things where you're like, oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna play uh, I'm gonna pass turn five. Or like I'm playing an electro deck where you're ramping and you're playing an infinite on turn five and then you're going to clone it on turn six. Like they can't do anything about it. It's a powerful combo, but it's all from hand. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And Wong is the strongest combo generator ever, but he sits there for a whole turn and says, "Hey, here I am." <laughs> Look what I'm about to do. You yeah. like surrender or counter it? Yes. Um, <laughs> you have two options. I got to imagine people probably retreat at highest levels. They probably retreat to it 
if they don't have the counter immediately. Well, I know I do. I <laughs> Invisible Woman. Invisible Woman hides it for me. Hide the uh, Wong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I. That's the only time. Whatever. Let's play hide the Wong. Oh, and, that sounds yeah. terrible, doesn't it? <laughs> well, and because hazmat combo is not common, uh, I very frequently <laughs> cheese of it. <laughs> There's a lot of jokes in there for the Wong. There's a lot that we could unpack uh, there, but let's yeah, keep all going. of us who love Wong, um, <laughs> like me. Uh, yeah, the so more. Long. Yeah, it's oh geez, you're right. Oh, um, God, move on. <laughs> I regret the joke. I'm sorry. The, the point is, I'm a Wong one trick. Okay, uh, that's <laughs> the point. I'm a Wong one trick. Um, so, but what we are talking about today, like our our main segment of conversation, is about building a collection because in every card game, at least in collectible card games, uh, which we'll talk about a couple that aren't collectible card games throughout the course of this year, but most of them are collectible card games. You, there's this point in which you have to build a collection in, you know, does it run like a game like legends of Runeterra where they, you know, you just play some and they give you pretty much every card away eventually. Um, so you don't really have to spend money. Is it like hearthstone where you're going to be cracking packs, very similar, cheaper, but similar to what you would do with a game like magic the gathering. Is it like MTG arena where you have to buy individual cards? Um, is it like, you know, Pokemon where you have to go out and buy the physical cards and scan them into the digital game? What does it look like? to actually create a card pool and be able to build decks in this game. And I think personally that Marvel Snap has the most unique one of any game that I've played. Uh, and I'd, I'd love to know your two opinions on that. Like, is it one of the most unique ones out of any game that you've played? And then I'll, I'll go over a quick overview of how it works. Well, I mean, just for, a, I guess, a spoiler alert here, but... What makes it unique um, is that it is also tied to your matchmaking, which is no one else does that. That mm -hmm. is the thing that completely um, it diverges from anything else. There are other games that sort of. Because there's a lot to unpack here, but but that is the thing that I think makes it stand out the most. It, it, I will say like that is a definite positive for a lot of people. Um, and I think it's a very much a positive that is casual player friendly where like a game like Hearthstone, like after you get out of rank 20, you basically are being played. You're playing against people with fully constructed hardcore decks that, you know, they could be a casual. But like when I played Hearthstone, I wouldn't care about rank for a couple of seasons. Come back to it. I'd still make a high end top meta hunter deck and dunk on those poor new players in rank 20 yeah and and so this protects you from that and i think that's the most unique thing and possibly why it's been so successful as a mobile casual friendly card game and i think that's really cool now the acquisition of cards is a little more complex i don't want to cast judgment on that until we talk about and explain to any listeners who don't play snap how that works but just first and foremost understand that as mark is explaining to you your collection level will be paired with a certain other people of that same collection level, level, AKA how many cards you have access to, you will match against other people with similar levels of uh, collection and a similar rank. The two factors combine to pick out who you play against. Unfortunately, right now, at least, they have a large enough player pool that they can actually do that, backfilled a little bit with bots in the very, very early collection level stage. Right, aka this game is accessible whether you find it as the beta is opening, or if you find it two years right down now. the road, yeah, like or like right now, like like you you'll join the game and somebody else, if not a real person, a bot will play cards against you that you have the very real chance of either pulling within a very short time frame or you currently have, which makes it competitive that you aren't just getting blown out well, it, by, by something yep. so refined. And just while we're talking about this part of deck building or uh, collection building, it's important to note, too, that like what that means functionally is if somebody, a whale, as we as we call them, somebody that spends all the money to get all the things right away. If a whale wants to drop tons and tons of cash into this game right when they start, they absolutely can do that. And then they will not be playing against, you know, noobs with, uh, you know, basic yep you know abomination and the thing and shocker all you know cards you get right at the beginning of the game that aren't very good um 
instead they will then however much money they put into the game if they bounce themselves all the way up spending hundreds of hundred dollars bounce themselves all the way up to pool three they will play other people in pool three it will always yep. give you a level playing field for where you're at in progression in the game which is so different uh than anything else out there and that truly is like really innovative in my opinion Oh, it's it's genuinely beautiful. I think that I've had so many people I've, I've been streaming Snap who come in and they're like, "How can I advance further? Isn't this game pay to win?" And I'm like, "Actually, this game isn't pay to win or pay to advance. No. Genuinely, like no. it's actually neither of those things. Because you are always matched up with people around your same collection level, it makes no difference to me if somebody starts after me and gets further than me, because I will only play against them in the short window that they are about my collection level. And then they were either below me. So I wouldn't play with them because I had better cards or more access to cards than they did. And then when they get past me, I won't play with them because they will go beyond me in collection level. And I love that dynamic and multiply that by the function that it's not just, will they be, um, and this is like a little bit, we, we're going to talk about the competitive and sort of the meta and stuff like that next episode. But just as a preview, the functional of it too is that somebody could pay to catch up to exactly where Mark's collection level is. But if they're brand new and they haven't played much, they still won't queue against Mark. Yeah, they'll queue probably against me, right? Who's just sitting down in the you know at a similar collection level, but like goofing off with random deck builds, right? And so they're not going to be playing against somebody who's grinding the meta, playing Patriot constantly or leader decks or whatever, because they it's not just the collection level, it's collection level as well as rank. So it's this nice little fluid combination of the two of them that means that you'll likely be being, being paired with somebody that plays about as much as you and has access mm-hmm. to about as many cards as you. Yeah. So let me... Let me unpack. Gibby, did you have something you wanted to add before I unpacked how it actually works? That's exactly what I was going to move on to is basically just saying before <laughs> we get too far ahead of ourselves as to like the the actual collection level piece that plays into this bigger picture of all these different currencies that you've got in the game. So and, and yeah. they usually all kind of feed into each other with the, the progression system of it. So, Mark, go ahead. And uh, if that's where you're headed, go for it. That's where I was headed. So let's unpack collection level first and foremost. So when you log into the game, you'll have a green number towards the top of your screen. That's your collection level. That collection level is how you gain new cards throughout the course of the game. And you raise that collection level by upgrading cards cosmetically in-game. You upgrade those cards cosmetically in-game by playing the game. You play the game, you get given credits for completing quests and staying logged in every day. And you also get uh, boosts uh, for specific cards. If you're playing a deck with a card in it, you always have a chance of gaining boosts, which is basically a currency that's dedicated to that specific card. Throughout that game, throughout the games, you'll be able to go into your collection and upgrade specific cards that you've been playing with, and those upgrade in a bunch of different ways. We don't need to get too deep into the upgrade system, but basically, they cosmetically upgrade over and over and over again until you can sort of pinnacle at the very top. You can get a golden version, and that happens after you've done something called splitting the card, which means fully upgrading it five plus times um, you have a chance then to, to be able to get a fully golden version of the card itself every time you upgrade a card your collection level goes up and every so many points of collection level you will get a card or a chance to get a new card and these cards are split into pools so pool one contains a select like a specific grouping of cards that are only in pool one and that is from collection level 18 to collection level 214 so as you advance from 18 to 214 you will get cards that are in collection level one until you finish pool one once you reach that at level 222 to 474 and it that that may seem really really high but you can average if you play and do your quests you will average 10 levels a day potentially more sometimes 20 or 30 levels in a day if you're getting sort of like extra things from, you know, the event pass and stuff. Like and it's that. a little front loaded, like the pool one, like you can get mostly through pool one in like three or four days, you know, yeah, if you're exactly. playing regularly, if you exactly. want it enough. Yeah. yeah. If you yeah. try, yeah. if you try hard, if you know life it enough, I mean, I think I did it in like four days, maybe mm-hmm. four or five days. Yeah. I think I did it in a couple of days just because I was enjoying the game and, yeah. and messing around with that. You play against a lot of bots in the very beginning of the game as well to kind of build your confidence and help you understand the mechanics of the game and how to win things. And so pull two is going to give you another exact assortment of cards and you always are going to have them by the end of 474. So 474, you'll have all of the pull two cards. 
those cards then become a little bit more complex as we head into pool three. Because in pool three, from 474, I think up maybe the first 20 levels, you will get guaranteed, like it's two or three pool three cards. You will get them. Then after that point, you begin getting chests that have a percent chance to give you a pull three card until you get to collection level 1000. Once you hit 1000, you get a new type of chest that has a decreased chance to give you pull three cards, but it introduces new cosmetics like titles and icons into the pools that were not there before collection level 1000. On average, it takes you to getting to about collection level 3000 to finish all of your pull three cards. Now that varies because you're not guaranteed to get a card. There is sort of like a pity rule. I think like every, I don't know, 60 levels or 300 levels or something, something ridiculous that you will guarantee to get a card. And then in the game, since then they've also introduced two new pulls of cards that are smaller pull four and pull five. And those cards, you have an even less chance of seeing. In fact, once you finish every pull three card, you only have about a 2.5% chance of seeing a pull four card on each of your chests. And you only have about a, I think it's a 0.25% chance to see a pull five card on each of your chests. Whereas you have about a 20% chance, about a one in five ish to see a pull three card. So just giving you an idea as you level up your collection by upgrading your cards, which you do by playing the game, you will naturally increase your collection level, which will give you chests, which will give you cards. You'll unlock all of tier one then all of tier two and then tier three becomes a little bit more hit and miss as it becomes harder and harder to collect those cards and you have to do a lot more work in order to unlock uh these cards now all of these cards are given to you at random so you actually have no control over what card you'll get from a chest you can't say i really would like this pull three card i want to get it next i'm choosing this one to be my next one the only way to get specific cards is through a new in-game thing in the shop where they give you collector's tokens that you can get through unlocking things in the collection level. Those collector tokens can be spent to purchase cards. Pull three cards cost 1,000 collection tokens. I think pull four cost 3,000, and I think pull five cost 5,000. Uh, 6,000, I think. If 6, my expenditure on Thanos six. taught me anything. 6,000. Uh, <laughs> They're expensive. They're yeah. expensive. And, and they the, rotate through, so you won't, like... Every day. Every day, every four hours, they switch. And so oh, it's every, four, it's hours. every okay. four hours, they I think they switch four or six. And, uh, yeah. and so you, you'll, it's not like you can go in and strategically pick one. You have to wait for it to pop up in the shop while still having the tokens. But fortunately you have the ability to pin one so that it won't rotate. Once you find the one you want, you can pin it, but it's encouraging you in a really, uh, you know, I'm not going to say manipulative way, but if you're looking for something, it is encouraging you to log on very frequently so you can check the shop. Is the thing I want there? Should I pin it? Uh, I did do that for the first several days, knowing I wanted Thanos, and I just logged in every four hours to see if Thanos was there until I found it. I literally did. I was like, I'm not buying anything but but Thanos. But um, I also just wanted to... Oh, no, go ahead. Just just to be clear, I think... I'm thinking now it rotates uh, every time you get quests. So for me, that is at 6 a.m., at 2 p.m., and at 10 p.m. So I think it actually rotates every eight hours. You get three cards a day that it will could rotate be that. through it. It could be that. Yeah. Um, one thing that I wanted to just mention briefly is when you first start the game, uh, the the first so many cards are scripted in that like you'll get this card, this card, this card, and it's scripted such that you can have a deck, you can make a couple little options, um, but it's going to be like, um, you know, everyone will get the same things. But once you get into pool one, um, you will pull things in a different order, even though everyone will pull everything from pool one in order to advance. You will have different experiences, which I think is a unique sort of jumping off point. Like if we talk about it from a pool one and two, and then we can talk about collecting in pool three, the pool one and two experience is unique in that like. If I, uh, what happened to me, in fact, is that Electra, very strong pool one card. It was literally my very last card that I pulled in pool one, and I've almost never used it. Meanwhile, it was my first pool one card I ever pulled. And so little did I know how useful it was. I'm like, oh, look, a one drop snipe. Yeah. And I mean, it can, it's so like, you know, your experiences can be very different. And that goes for pool two as well, even though pool two is a little bit smaller. Um, you know, you could get something like the vulture really early and then you could build a movement deck or 
yeah. you know, you could get like, I don't know, Carnage, I think is one or Sabretooth or something like that mm-hmm. and make a destroy yeah. deck. Right. Um, and so, you know, you can, it, and what it's doing, pull one and two is introducing you to mechanics um, that will, even though the deck may not be super strong in those pools, you will have an understanding of some basic mechanics when you get into pool three and card effects just get wild. Uh, yes. <laughs> and Absolutely. things just start doing wacky stuff. Um, but in terms of like our uh, impression of the collection experience of pool one and two, what was you guys' impression? I liked it because it felt unique. It felt so different. And it also felt like it was really fun to be in community. And it still is for that matter, as you are pulling cards and um, the deck building experience. I was worried going into this game when I started first started playing snap that the deck building experience and as it relates to collection was going to be too uniform and not enough variance, but because they have found this, unique balance of nobody roughly has the exact same collection but also you're playing against people who are roughly the same power level because of these pooled tiers yep it 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 finds this weird balance of i can't guarantee what my opponent is going to have and they can't guarantee what i'm going to have because who knows what they've pulled in their collection levels like we don't have that information and they don't have that information on me and i think it also makes you um build some suboptimal decks at times and i like that i like that not everything is a formula not everything is solved it makes you get creative and outside of the box i think outside the box and like really look at your collection in a different way and as you're playing with them and you're trying to like level your collection up and get these either new cards that you really want and hoping that you pull them i I like that there's a little bit of like chance to that because it's fun but i i liked that there was you're getting rewarded for playing certain cards that you have in your collection. So even if you don't have something that you wanted, you're still being able to make those cards. That Find a good, a, first a next best cool. substitute. Right. And and you're, and you're getting to make those cards because you are finding boosters for them as you're playing with them. You're getting boosters and making that card cooler, which is almost in a way easing some of the pain of maybe having the exact card that you want in that moment. Yeah, on that note, I just wanted to bounce off what Gibby said because he said something I hadn't really thought of. My experience in pool one and two is as a really long time, extremely experienced and, uh, you know, accomplished card game player. I was like, okay, I'm ready for the next thing. Like I I was going through those, the the, pool one and two, enjoying the gameplay, but being like, I get these concepts. Like I understand them. I'm ready for something more challenging. And it took a little too long for me to get there. But in Gibby's defense, um, or not even Gibby's defense, but just bouncing off what Gibby said, I think that it was really important for newer players, but not even new players, newer players, to understand not just the gameplay, but the deck building implications and how important one card can make in a Marvel Snap deck compared to any other deck out there. And how how important that one card can you know, can be in terms of the difference in a deck being strong or a deck being weak. And I'll say this too, the, there is, even though, you know, I have this weird thing where depending on my mood, I'm either the hardest spike in the world where I want to just win no matter what it is, or I completely flip flop just, you know, and become a Johnny where I don't really care if I win. I don't really care about my rank. I just want to experiment. I'm one of the two moods depending on the day. And, um, I think that the uh, unique challenge of what Gibby mentioned of having to like make s- a suboptimal substitution because I don't have something is a something that like you don't get that in most digital card games, but you did get that when you were literally collecting cards back in the day, you know, playing Magic or Versus System or Yu-Gi-Oh or whatever. You didn't have everything. You had to mm-hmm. make those sacrifices. You had to learn to like find a good substitute for this one card that would still get the job done for the deck as a whole. And that is a really unique experience that I think shouldn't be overlooked. So great point, Gibby. I don't think I would have mentioned that or even thought of that in this discussion had you not brought it up. Yeah, and I'll share some of my thoughts. I mean, my experience has been really, really great. And I think one of the things that has made it so great is the matchmaking system alongside of building your collection. Because there's never been a point in time where I've thought, oh, man, I cannot have fun in this game because I won't spend money on this game. 
that that's never happened, which I you expect in a card game, right? Because the question you really get into a card game is how long do you get the maximum, like get all the cards? Because that's when I can really have fun with the game. And okay, well, how much money do I need to spend to get all the cards? And at first glance, you're like, well, you got to spend thousands of dollars in this game to get all the cards. And that's true if the only way to have fun in this game is to have all the cards. But that is not the case with this game. This game is so fun even when you do not have all the cards. So some of the things that I really liked is I liked a lot of the things that were introduced like in pull one. And I liked even in pull one, I couldn't play every deck, right? Like white queen was my last pull in pull one. That made it really hard to play devil dinosaur, to be perfectly honest with you. And that was a very good pull one deck. So I ended up sort of just sitting back and and going with a spectrum ongoing deck. Really enjoyed that. Played a ton of that deck. Pool two is kind of similar. You get some of these impactful cards now that are like a little bit more unique and can do a little bit like, oh, Hobgoblin, how can I make that work? Or ooh, Ebony Ma, like this is a new one. What can I do with this? Vulture, I think it, you brought that up, DBN, is maybe the, the perfect example of that, right? And so they give you a lot of the staples without it being able to be a full deck. And then you enter pool three. And it's actually quicker than you would think to get to that 475 mark to enter into pool three. But you enter into pool three and now the world opens up into like you get cards and you're like, oh, I can try this deck now or maybe I can make this work with that now. And I think one of the really cool and unique things about pool three is, yep, there are going to be some standard decks that are very strong that a lot of people are going to have the tools for. Things like Destroyer or Wave Death or, you know, Electro Galactus. And there's going to be some cards that are just like, okay, yeah, they're there. This guy pulled all the cards. But you're also going to have opportunities to build some decks that other people simply cannot build. So, for example, me being Hazmat Luke Cage, I've run into very few people who can even play that. And at the same time, Patriot, I can't play because I don't own Mystique yet. And, and Discard, I can't play because I don't own hella yet and for a while i couldn't play a a silver surfer because i didn't have brood yet and so there was all of these decks that i wanted to play that i couldn't and you might think that's a bad thing but it's really not because you never really feel like you're not progressing in this game you always feel even when you lose not only are you learning but you're getting boosters and i've said this from the very beginning i think i said on the last episode ben brode knows how to put a carrot on the end of a stick at least for me I love watching bars go up. I love watching cards get unlocked. I love adding things to my collection. I love adding new cosmetics. I love that endorphin hit. I love quests, easy quests, three times a day. Um, I love going back in and seeing what those are. I love going to the cosmetic shop and being like, ooh, you know, what are my selection of cosmetics today that I can unlock with my gold bars? I love all of those things. And the collection system and how you get cards in this game has that in spades. It's just done very, very well. All of that being said, because I think we've all shared how we really love the collection level system, how we get cards, the pulls of cards, what that looks like, why that keeps us coming back to the game. But there's, I mean, let's be honest, there are some negatives as well with this system. I think the only negative after like considering this for a while, I think the only negative I have is actually in pool three. I don't think, you know, my my original pool one, pool two complaint is I don't think it's something that would have been better for me, but not necessarily something that would have been better for the game. You know, I have played card games since I was five. I've played, you know, high level tournaments. I, I, I just I'm so comfortable in it. But like it, even for me, it didn't take that long to get to, into pool three. And, I, you know, and, and so like I can wait that out a little bit. And I understand that I do think it's really important for like even a even a, a seasoned card player should still go through that phase. And it's it's enjoyable if you understand like why it exists. Um, but I did want to say, like, with regards to pool three, my biggest complaint has everything to do with a lack of agency. And so it's the, the, the counterpoint to your thing is you pull. I pulled Hella right at the beginning of pool uh three and it was dead i can't play a hella deck you know without you know invisible woman hell cow ghost rider some more synergies it just didn't work mm-hmm. it was a dead card and it was one of the few pool three cards i pulled right that's a bummer man thank goodness the second pool three card i pulled was dr doom 
which is one of the most powerful and most and easiest to use, you know, pull three cards out there. And that was great because if I didn't have Doom, you know, I would have been sitting around with the only pool three cards in my collection useless. So my my biggest complaint is not that you can't cherry pick your exact cards because I think that that would take away from the experience you described, you know, because uh, I agree the experience you described, man, I don't I can't play Patriot yet. What else can I play? And it forces you to get familiar with all the cards in your collection to understand like, oh, man, like I might not have played let's say storm or juggernaut before, but because I want to play, uh, you know, a cerebro deck, I'm going to put Scarlet, Witch, and I'm going to put rhino in my three power cerebro deck to help mitigate some of the bad locations that can disrupt my cerebro. You know, I don't think I ever would have gotten as into cerebro if I had pulled a Patriot and a mystique early on, probably would have just jammed that and ignored cerebro. But now cerebro is one of my favorite, uh, you know, favorite cards. So it's like, I, I agree with you in that sense but the fact that you can get a card and have it sit dead in your collection and kill some of the excitement my recommendation would be for these collection chests if you're gonna get a card do what they did in gwent which is offer you three random cards boom 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 which one do you want you can get hazmat uh not ryan a juggernaut or you know dr doom which one do you want it's still random but it gives you a little bit of agency. So if you see Hella right out of the gate and you know, man, I can't play this card. What the heck am I supposed to do with Hella <laughs> right in pool three? You could say, you know what? It's cool. I'm going to take, I don't know, rock slide or I'm going to take, uh, you know, quake or something else. Even if it's not a good card, you might pick something that you can actually do something with then. That's my only complaint about it. Yeah, I'll bounce off of that. I, I I completely agree with that because for me, it's like there are a couple of decks that have a tremendous number of pull three cards, right? Not all of them. Like the Destroyer deck, one of the reasons it's powerful and available is because Destroyer is one of the only pull three cards in it, right? And so you pick Destroyer up and then you go build with pull one and two and you're like, oh, okay, I, I guess I'm set. Um, You know, because you can just build it with that. Whereas like say you wanted to play Red Skull with Taskmaster to copy his power, you're going to be waiting for a while because you have to actually crack those cards to be able to do it. You want to play Hello? Well, you're also going to be waiting for Ghost Rider. You want to play Patriot? You're also going to be waiting for Mystique. You want to play Mr. Negative? Well, you're also going to be waiting for Sarah and Magic. And so there, you know, and even like in the death deck, you know, you're also going to be waiting for Venom and you're going to be waiting for Wave and you're going to be waiting for Death. And that's the one I've been trying to build forever and I just cannot get all the pieces of it. And I, I completely agree with that. Um, but go ahead, Gibby, do you have any, any thoughts? Like what was, is there any drawbacks? Like what are the drawbacks to the system? Only drawbacks that that sometimes can be uh, a little frustrating when it comes to, um, the, the collection piece of, of things is because of the very fragmented currencies. Sometimes you have plenty of one currency, but not enough of another. And you have all these boosters that you have that you want for one, for one person. Uh, if let's say you're trying to upgrade your daredevil, like you have all these boosters, but then you don't have nearly credits. enough um, of the credits. Yeah. I'll give you a 100 universal. on that. Yeah. It's, it's annoying sometimes. So, so you're, you're like, I really want to upgrade this card because also upgrading cards, like is what upgrading cards is what gets me more collection level, but I can't upgrade that because of this one currency I don't have. And sometimes you're like jamming a, a, a card over and over again in the deck just to try to get boosters for it. And sometimes you just randomly don't pull it based on like what the the game deter- determines is you're going to get boosters for on that game. So um, it can just be hard, especially when you get up into the higher collection levels of trying to um, it prolongs your it really can prolong your ability to get new cards or even find like fun cosmetics and things like that when you only get a certain number of credits from missions and you have to use other currency to buy more missions or just wait for the next day for them to refill. And the credits are like so universal. And when you're trying to upgrade a card from, it's not like upgrading it from either from a base to green or uh, to a frame break, or you, when you start getting up into like your, your um, kind of like your legendary status, the animated frames, your animated frame and your legendary status as well, yeah. your splits, like it, costs a lot it takes 
it costs a lot of credits and a lot of boosters. So it really can slow your collection level down. So just sometimes it feels like, and this is not something that I think is, you kind of just need to deal with it. It's just the way that the, it's kind of built, but it, yeah. it can be frustrating when you really want to get a certain card um, leveled up and, yeah. and get more collection level. And you can't just because credits are so hard to come by. See, see that's so funny. Cause you know, I I've said this before. I have the opposite effect and I think it's because I play, five games a day. I really don't grind this game. I love it to death, but I don't grind it. I play daily, but I just, I, you know, I, I complete the quests, knock the stuff out. And usually, you know, I'll play it when I'm waiting on something for work, you know, waiting on an email to come through, you know, going to take a poop, you know, like that's the best bathroom game ever. Yep, it's a bathroom game. It's a bathroom game, you know, for sure, but the, I don't grind it. And so what's happened to me is I have more credits that boosters because i log on fill my quests and then i have all of these characters with almost enough credits to upgrade but not enough almost enough credit and and it seems like every time i open a collector's cash if it's not a card it's credits oh my god boosters please boosters i just need boosters and i know it's the opposite for you guys yeah because i do grind a lot a good bit I, i in my collection like in my one deck just hazmat deck I have four characters with over 500 boosters stacked up on them. Four characters with over 500 boosters without the credits to be able to go that's, around. That's, I, I, would, I wish I had that. We could trade place. I'll give you some credits. You give me some boosters. It'll be great. I'd love that. I'd love to see <laughs> you. Let's trade creds so, for boosters. Yeah, you whatever go. you want. Uh, but so my experience, my, my honest opinion is when it comes with the advancement, I think that boosters are just kind of a miss, right? Yeah. If you're in a situation like, you know, DBN you're in, then it's like, just let me spend the credits. I'm earning the credits every day. Anyway, yep. let me just spend the credits to upgrade my cards. And when you're in a situation like I'm in where credits are the problem, then you have all these boosters. And honestly, the game, I'm not going to say it's predatory, but it feels a little it's bit showing you all way. the things that could be. Yeah. You're it's showing like all the highlighting things, like, them in your collection. Yeah. You've worked hard for this. You could be upgrading this. If you would go over here and spend real money to buy gold bars and convert that to credits today. You could click the upgrade button and and do it. And, you know, yeah. I, I, I think that between that, the only my only real complaints about it, I do think that the giving more ability to control what cards you get in pool three is really smart. I think the shop is a really cool idea. I'm really glad they did it. They did it. And at first I thought, oh my gosh, once you spend all the credits they gave you for free in the beginning, you'll never be able to get another card. I have earned one and I'm at 800 out of a thousand of, cert- of earn- owning another. Yeah, so you can, it takes longer than I think it should. Yes. But you can. Um, and the other thing is like, I think we're not really talking about cash shop, but the, the things in the cash shop are advancement stuff, right? Get a stack of credits, get a stack of collector's tokens. You know, they almost all come with that. And I do think, I, I honestly do think that the, the pricing in the cash shop for some of the stuff is a little predatory. I agree. Um, it's way overpriced it, in my opinion. It, it's pretty insane. Like 50 bucks for a couple of variants of cards that everybody likely already has, unless you're stuck in pool one or pool two, halfway through pool two, like mm-hmm. right now, Angela and Sarah. Well, I guess Sarah is technically a pool three card. So you could get Sarah by, by buying this. Um, but I, I, you know, uh, I really struggle with that. I think that I, I have not even wanted to buy anything in the cash shop because even with, you know, saving up my gold bars for the last several weeks, last month, having 2,700, um, being willing to throw money at this game, like I am willing to give them money, but I'm not willing to give them $50. I will for, say, I feel like the know. season pass isn't too bad. Like you do get some good stuff. No, you, season pass is great. And actually. I, yeah, and season, I, season I almost, nice. I almost view the cash shop as a and these these way overpriced bundles as ways to keep the rest of the game cheap that you have whales whales gonna yeah. whale all right we said this whale, before i said whale. this on other podcasts whales got a whale okay you gotta let the whales whale it's but if like the whales the whales their own sand give the whales their sandbox let them drop 60 bucks for these things and then everyone else gets to play a really generous free-to-play game and not get nickel and dimed for playing the game. Cause that's the difference. Like, you know, I mean, Gibby and I have a Pokemon Unite podcast, AOS Airwaves, check it out if you're interested. But in, in that, like the, the biggest problem there is like in order to play the characters, you like you have to 
pony up some money, man, or grind for forever, right? And yeah. fortunately, Snap is very, in terms of the things that will actually let you play the game, you, you, eventually you'll get it all. And on the way, you'll have a lot of fun. You'll see regular advancement. Like, I, I think that they've done a great job in the free-to-play experience. I really do. And the season pass is, is the only thing I've spent money on. And I don't feel like I've been gypped. I've been happy with what I've spent my 10 bucks a month on because I like the, the new car. It gives you a brand new card, a bunch of advancement things, some, some, you know, customizable stuff, and they've been making it better over time. So I've been perfectly happy with that, to be honest. I know we're getting a little long in the tooth here on this uh, episode, but I did want to real That's fast funny. throw out uh, a question to each of you guys. Um, I, and I think it would be cool if we gave our favorite pool one and pool two cards. That's what I was going to suggest. And, and and any tip you have for collection building or advancement that you think the audience you know might benefit or how did you approach it? So did you, did you have something in mind? Gibby, you seemed excited by that. Um, I'm actually real quick. I can, I can give it to Mark first. Uh, yeah, I'll, give it to I'll, Mark I'll, first. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll go. I'll go pull one first and also my tactics. So here's what I did just tactics wise. When I went through pull one and pull two. I used my gold coin, my gold to purchase new quests because those quests gave you the same. If you spent, I don't know, whatever it was, uh, gold to buy credits, it would give you the same exact amount of credits. If you spent that same exact amount of gold on quests, except you also got XP towards your season pass. So, and it gave you things to do and reasons to play the game versus just buying credits and upgrading a card and shutting it down. So for me, I used my gold at first to do that. And now that I'm in pull three and I have a decent chunk of pull three, I'm now saving my gold for cosmetics, specifically a couple of variants that I really want because I've made it far enough in and I I don't feel like I, I don't feel the pressure to advance nearly like what I did. Um, In pull one though, I, I think my favorite card, it's really boring. Can I be honest? It's really boring. It was Captain America. Um, I <laughs> yeah, that's played, a boring one. <laughs> it's a really boring card. But, you know, especially you have like Professor X and like, you know, there's so many, you know, Apocalypse and Devil Dinosaur. There's so many cool cards. Um, but I played a lot of a lot of Captain America with um, Spectrum and... Uh, and claw and things early on and just had a lot of fun with it. And so I, I would, that's what I would say. I think captain America was just like, it was one of my favorite cards felt like such an evenly statted three drop that could do cool things. Won me a lot of lanes. And so, yeah, boring, but captain America loved him. All right. I, I think I've honed in on what my favorite pool one card is and it's, it's kind of already mentioned because I had it for so long, but it is such a fun and satisfying card to play and hit your opponent with when they're dropping ones um, and just put them behind on tempo and kind of make them panic. I love playing Electra. Electra is my favorite pool one card. It's so good. The animation on it, where like see this little like spinning like a spinning blade and just pop the other side other side of their board and just obliterate something on their end. I really like Electra and it's relevant. Like you can play it. So later on too, like into pool two and even pool three in the right scenarios, I love uh, playing Latcher for pool one. So what about you, DBN? Oh, did you have a pool two? Did you have a pool two card? Oh, pool two. Uh, yes, Scorpion. 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 Oh, Scorpion so is my favorite pool two card. Um, just being able to might as well be a pool three two. card. It feels like it could be right. Like it's just played a drop. lot in, in pool three. I see it all the time. Yeah, I, I mean, I play it quite often. So just being able to drop that, it, it's, an, it's a moderately statted two drop, but when you look at the overall like power effect that the they value. have, especially if you find it on two on that value, just being able to give everything in their hand negative one power, especially with so many greedy decks that are trying to hold on to cards for late game, mm-hmm. it really makes a difference. Yeah. And it also screws Cerebro decks up immensely. Yep. It's fantastic. It is a great card to play as soon as you get it. You should just you should just slot it in unless you're in every deck playing something specific until you get to pool three and there is like becomes exceptions to that rule. It's an auto include. I think that's a great call, Gibby. Um, for me, uh, first, I'll give you guys my um, my strategy, which was uh, when you are in pool one, but really more when you're in like pool two and like, you know, the uh, progression starts to slow just a little bit. And you're trying to get, and again, this was my experience, but 
even when I was playing pool one and pool two, I would have uh, situations where I would have uh, credits, but not enough boosters. And then I still have that problem. But once you get into pool three, that tends to flip flop where you have not enough credits, but plenty of boosters. But here's the thing. If you look in your collection and you you tab it to um, like whatever it's called boosters, like how, how much it takes, like there's a tab option where you can sort your collection even it was uh, upgradable, I think is what it is. You click on upgradable and it'll put anything that's ready to upgrade at the top. But a lot of people don't know this. It'll also put anything that almost has enough boosters to upgrade. If you're at a 29 out of 30, it'll appear in that screen. And so if you're trying to level up as fast as possible and you need to get boosters now to spend your things now, whip up a crappy deck with all the cards that are close to upgrading Play a couple rounds of that deck, and every time you finish a game, win or lose, you'll get enough credits to upgrade something. And you can either filter that out or you know, immediately upgrade it and then close that deck out. And you can do that anytime you've got credits and no boosters to spend it on. And that way you can get, you know, that that uh that hit of uh, adrenaline now instead of waiting mm-hmm. till tomorrow uh when you when you grind the games. Or and you know, this is something I'm guilty of is I play the same deck a million times in a row right now, which is probably also something that slows my booster progression down because all the cards in that deck are like blinged out at like, you know, legendary or infinity. And so I'm waiting to get to these big thresholds of 50 when in reality, you'll, you know, you'll be able to spend that stuff faster in pool one and pool two and pool three, it kind of becomes, you're not min maxing your economy in pool three, but in pool one and pool two, when things are more confined, that's a strategy. My favorite pool one card is multiple man. I think the best way to win consistently in pool late pool one and all the way through pool two, I don't think there's a better deck than movement. I really don't. Even people understand that it's know it's coming, which it takes a lot of people. It takes people a lot of time to catch on to what you're going to do. Um, but it also is the highest skill ceiling deck. So if you're an experienced player movement, you have to plan two, three turns ahead, but the combos are there. The power level is there. I don't think there's a better deck in pool two. Than movement and multiple man is like core to that. Um, if you want, if you are listening to this and you are new to the game, you can also jump into our Discord and I will drop those lists my pool one movement and my pool two movement list, which myself and a lot of other people in the Discord have had success with. My favorite pool two card, I've already mentioned, it's Jubilee uh, because pulling random things is really fun and you yep. can start having fun with that RNG in pool two, even though it's not good you start having fun with it and then in pool three it becomes really good and really really strong also hobgoblin because i'm i'm a nasty nasty player that likes to give hobgoblin to people hobgoblin (laughs) requires you to be to plan ahead it's surprisingly high skill it is it's a a very much a high skill card and it's it's very satisfying in that way oh yeah i didn't get a chance to get my my favorite pool two card i forgot to um uh, but I, I think mine is my favorite pool two cards, Robbie Vulture. Yeah. Um, oh. I just I played a lot of movement in that segment. Oh, yeah. Real quickly, my least favorite cards oh. from pool one and two. Um, my least favorite card from pool two has either it's it's either Shang Chi or Leech. Um, and my <laughs> You're least so favorite salty. card. You're oh, so my salty. <laughs> my least favorite card in the game is pool one, and that's Cosmo. Um, oh my goodness. I uh, guys, I'm a Wong one trick. I can't. I hate so, Cosmo. Yeah, I have to hate I hate that bad dog. Bad dog. It's a bad oh, dog. Oh man. Well, yeah. guys, what a great episode. Uh a really date uh, I think a pretty deep look at uh how you can build a collection yourself and what it's gonna feel like building a collection. I think the main take home of this entire thing is a building a collection in Marvel Snap is really fun yes you enjoy it while you do it b you don't need to feel the pressure to build a collection as fast as possible you can actually enjoy it as you do it because you're not going to be competing against people who've been playing much longer than you or have whaled out and gotten everything before you could get whales got a whale whales got a whale but they can whale by themselves at the top of the collection ladder with all the other whales and they can all whale on each other up there (laughs) whereas you will be fine with us uh not whaling um, and so I think that hey, get into the game. The, it, it's probably one of it, it is not the most generous game I've ever played that that lands with Legends of Runeterra yeah. still. 
It is, however, the most satisfying progression I've ever played in a card game. Bar none. Yeah. Um, I don't even think it's close for me. And I, I, I love cracking packs. I would so, totally agree. Yeah. So I think that it's, it's definitely, I don't think that there's, there's a couple of things that I would say I would tweak that. I would change this. Um, but ultimately it's probably the best build a collection system I've ever, I've ever encountered in, at least in a digital card game. So for that, I two thumbs up, um, next week we'll be back and we will be having another episode where we're going to be talking about the meta and like, what does that actually look like to build 12 card decks and, can you actually be creative in this game? And won't there just be a number one deck that crushes everybody all the time? And um, we're going to have all that conversation. And with that, we're going to introduce an in-depth conversation on the system of snapping and why the betting snapping system in this game makes all of that feel so much better. Mm -hmm. um, pump for that. So any closing thoughts or things you guys want to add before we cut out of here? Any last comments? We have several people in our uh, Discord that have plenty of decks that they can give you for if you have a very limited card pool. I know it's already been said, but highly encourage coming over and visiting over in the Discord and all the different channels we have for Marvel Snap. We have a pretty solid community at this point that is continuing to not only talk about decks, but also just share the excitement of the new cool things that you all the continue to, to, to get into, whether it's game finals and games or just... Uh, excitement exciting moments of lucking into new cards that you've been hoping and hoping to get into in your collection level so would love to share all that excitement uh head on over to our discord and we hope to see you there okay that's gonna do it uh dbn give a thumbs up that's, that's right thumbs that. up oh. yay go yeah, team everyone here everyone can hear those um thank you guys for tuning into this episode <laughs> of legends cast season three <laughs> the starter set yeah, fun, we man. appreciate you so much for listening i hope to see you in discord if you want to support the show head on over to patreon.com slash camp legend you can uh, uh support it over there i'm waving uh, goodbye and verbalizing this motion <laughs> that's it for us here guys appreciate you be sure to come back again next week Thanks for listening to this episode of Legends Cast. You can join our podcast community by joining Discord using the link in the description of this episode. You can become a supporter of the show by visiting patreon.com slash camplegend. And don't forget to check out all of the other shows in the Camp Legend Podcast Network. 